0: Welcome to Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves explores a current topic through a behavioral lens, looking to shine a different behavioral perspective on that topic than what you might get in everyday news. It's relevant, short, fun, and insightful.
1: Kurt and I have been working in the world of behavioral interventions for more than 20 years, helping clients understand what drives their behavior and what they can do to change them. Now, we also host another podcast called Behavioral Grooves, in which we conduct long-form interviews with behavioral scientists and practitioners. And I mention this because our background and experience are relevant to what we bring to this
0: show. Hopefully we can bring an expertise to this that is a bit unique and grounded in actual science. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so what's our topic for uh, this week's Groove? All right, so there was an article uh, in The Atlantic this week by McKay Coppins called The Billion Dollar Disinformation Campaign to Reelect the President. It talks about how in 2020 there is an ongoing war of disinformation in the election, some background on how that has come around and the potential impact that this may have on our election and society.
1: Yeah, the author created uh, a, a Facebook account uh, to understand what was going on in the Trump campaign. A fake,
0: a fake Facebook account. Yeah, that he a, did a, yep.
1: an alternative to get sort of the the uh, the other side perspective, and that uh, what he started to see really got him curious, and that led him to do a lot of research on this particular topic.
0: Yeah, so he went back and looked at the 2016 campaign, uh, explored some of that. One interesting fact that they bring up is that the Trump campaign ran 5.9 million ads on Facebook during the 2000 from, I think it was November or June to November, while Clinton's only ran 66,000. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just that craziness. And then also looking forward, right? So one of the other pieces that was mentioned is that the Republican National Committee and the Trump campaign have reportedly compiled about 3,000 data points on every voter in America. And so with this disinformation campaign what is going to happen, right? And so I think what we want to groove on is, so what can behavioral science tell us about disinformation and what we can do about it, if anything? Okay.
1: So this has been going on for a long, long time.
0: Yeah. Fake news, disinformation is not some new high tech fangled thing that has only come around in the past 10 years. It goes back to the 8th century, right? It does. When the,
1: or ruled further. Well, the Pope was trying to uh, make sure that everybody believed that the whole Roman Empire was under the Pope's domain. And so it created this document called the Donation of Constantine when supposedly in the 4th century. Well, what the Pope claims is that in the 4th century, Constantine donated the whole Roman Empire, basically, into the Pope's control.
0: <laughs> so, which was not true Was at not all. true at all. But mm-hmm. they used that to spread disinformation. For right? hundreds of years. Right. And well, and, if you just think about the National Enquirer, right, which was started in 1926, you know, many, many, many of those stories are really disinformation, like the, the di- bad yeah. Boy or aliens abducted however many people. Yeah. So there we go.
1: Or the but, Daily Mail in the UK. Like uh, over a million people pick that up three
0: times a week. Right. And it's been going on for a long time. Right. But before we we go further, what what is the definition of of misinformation, disinformation, and, and how does that compare to like a conspiracy theory?
1: Yeah, I think that that's, that's really worth worth teasing out because disinformation and misinformation are really similar. They're very, very similar. And and that really is about false information, which is intended to mislead, especially propaganda issued by a government organization to a rival power or the media Okay, is, is really kind of the whole idea behind and, it. And
0: that's not like a conspiracy theory.
1: Conspiracy theories are totally different because that is a belief that some covert but influential organization is responsible for a particular circumstance or event. Right. And that's not what we're talking about today. Okay. We're talking about this disinformation. All right. Propaganda, so, basically.
0: So why do we believe this disinformation? So disinformation comes out, but... It's it's factually wrong, but why do we believe it then? Well, because we want to. Okay, <laughs> really. I mean, part of it is that we
1: have we're, we're put in a context where it makes sense. We have confirmation bias. We have availability
0: bias. It's frequent. It's common. We've got this illusion of truth effect. Well, and and oftentimes the the disinformation is embedded within right. a number of truthful things. So. Right. of whatever the information is, is true with 10 or 20% being the misinformation. And so when people come across it, it's likely then to get ingested. And even when that, that disinformation is so far out there that it is just wildly beyond belief, there's a purpose for that, right? Because what that does is it ends up Anchoring our system out further, so that when the less out there disinformation comes right. out, it's more believable. And I'll go back to there was a disinformation campaign about uh, Democrats running a pedophile ring out of a, uh, a pizza pizza in in New Washington D.C. Or- and different things, and then you know. So, for most people, that was not believable, right? right. They go that just isn't true. But then they send out other information that talks about how Hillary Clinton is, uh, you know, uh, not as uh, strong against pedophiles as right. as say the Republican counterpart. And then that becomes much more believable because you have this thing in the back of your head. That's there, so the, the they're being used in all of these things, and so we tend to believe things because they're all the biases that we have. But it's also wrapped in these uh, elements where they anchor us so far out that then they can bring in some of the more subtle ones. Exactly. Another, just another quick
1: example of that is uh, it, before the election, there was a message about uh, Hillary Clinton saying that blacks are super predators. Right. Right. And and that was intent. That was. Used specifically in Florida, where and it was successfully suppressed the black vote. Now the thing is that she actually said that that gang members can
0: be super predators, like twenty years before this. And so but again, they're so bringing the, in some shred truth, of truth. Shred of truth, and the yeah. fact that you know with disinformation in today, that part of what the article is talking about is the ability to micro-target. Yeah. So. You have this ability to be able to send a specific message to a subset, a very small subset of the larger population that you have identified. So in that case, that message only went out to black voters in In Florida. Florida. And so that ability to send that specific message to that group allows it to seem that it is target that it's specific to you and so it's believable and then they also use messenger effect right
1: Right. As we know from our conversations with Steve uh, Martin and Joe Marks, this who, who is saying it makes a big difference to us, right? So if it's coming from a source that we believe is credible or trustworthy,
0: then we have a much higher degree of believability. Right. So and- if they say somebody has, has said this and we trust that person, then we don't necessarily go in and, and- really think about it. We just trust that.
1: That's right. Well, and we've also got social proof around this, right? So, I mean, something as simple as like a laugh track, I mean, as silly as it is, and we know that we we can recognize a laugh track. We know that it's not real and yet it still has a positive influence on how we experience something. So just believing that other people are believing it, that gives us more reason to think, well, maybe I should believe this too.
0: Social proof, bandwagon effect, all of those factors that we've talked about before. So the purpose of disinformation really is to change behavior. And so it's done by these political operatives in order to change per, uh, behavior. Specifically, if you can hit on somebody's emotional triggers to get uh, either rile up your base, right, to get them so upset that they are definitely going to go out and vote there's nothing that's going to you know it doesn't matter if it's a a snowstorm in New Hampshire or wherever it is you're going out there because it is just my duty to go do it or as you mentioned in the in the case in Florida to suppress the vote right. of the opposition um you know their their base and the people that would probably vote against you yeah so that's a really if you're thinking about disinformation the they're really trying to drive those behaviors, and, and, and they're
1: trying to drive the behaviors of of the main, of large groups of sort of the center. These messages tend to come from the fringes. Uh, and, and and are trying to influence the behaviors of the people who are a, a potentially more gullible, right? But also just more in the center, and they're using availability bias and confirmation bias and the frequency effects to get those messages uh, adhered to and believed by more people in the in the center of the bell curve. Not, right. not so much on the political campaign, but in the in the, of the bell curve.
0: Right. So what can we do, uh, as we've talked about before, to inoculate ourselves against believing this disinformation or even worse, maybe being part of the problem and disseminating this dis- disinformation out to our social groups.
1: Well, uh, Jamie Carroll uh, wrote a book on leveraging the OODA loop with uh, digital analytics to counter disinformation. Oh. brand new book. And uh, the author is, is making a claim that the OODA loop, and I, I'll explain that in just a minute, is is a great way of sort of uh, breaking things down into smaller parts and saying, wait, stop. I mean, really ultimately it comes down to stop, right? It, it, we're not just going to believe it instantly so so let's just there's just four quick aspects to the OODA loop, uh, O-O-D-A. It was developed by the uh, U.S. military. Um, and it's really about observing first, O, OODA, observe first, uh, kind of understand what the situation is, right? And then orient yourself to the situation and, and what what's going on. What are the potential theories? And then after you observe and orient, then you decide. Then you actually can make a decision about what it is that I'm, I'm hearing. If I understand the context, if I understand what the intentions and motivations might be, and then act. Then you can actually say, "Okay, now I know where I'm going. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to I'm going to actually act on this to
0: implement, uh, you know, a, a new way of thinking about this. So it's a nice process to think about. So going back, uh, Viktor Frankl had said, you know, there's that gap between the stimulus and the response. Exactly. And in that gap, we should be taking a, a moment to really understand, as you said, to observe, orient, and then decide as part of that OODA loop. Absolutely. So great. So I think that's good. And obviously, then you can also go out and you can look for uh, sites that are fact checkers.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of really, really good sites out there. Uh, One is factcheck.org that I've been familiar with and, and really appreciate for their bipartisan approach. Yeah. Uh, But the second one is called Snopes, and they're really dedicated to journalistic integrity.
0: Yeah, they've been around for a while, but yeah. They
1: they have. It it just happens to be new to me, but they're founded on uh, really high integrity, high quality content.
0: So some of the behavior change that is trying to go on with this too is not just in behavior change on, on voters, but it's in our our belief and trust in, in everything. So some of the operatives that are doing this are really looking to, to disrupt that trust. So uh, Gallup did a uh, poll in 2017 where they said only 14% of Republicans believe that the media get the facts straight, uh, while 62% of Democrats believe that the media is there. And if you go back to 1988, it was roughly about 52% believe the media- For both. For both. So you can see where that's gone. And when we're talking about fact checkers, this is really interesting because, again, even the fact checkers are believed to be part of the media. So, again, uh, looking at this, 70% of Republicans are saying that those fact checkers organizations are actually uh, favor the democratic side so that they're believing even the fact checkers are (laughs) are part of the problem, right?
1: Right. Which would
0: be a little closer to the conspiracy theory. Right. So as we're looking at this, right? I think those are some interesting things to take into account.
1: Yeah. And, and there's one other thing that I just want to mention. And that is that there is a lot of scholarly research that's being done in, in this area, but there's not really a lot that's, because uh, we understand the fundamentals, right? We've been just talking about all the fundamentals, but there isn't any empirical research, uh, in the field or even in the lab to understand what the complete impact is on voters, for instance, or consumers. All right.
0: So let's, let's start recapping.
1: Okay, so to recap, we need to be aware of a couple of things, right? We, the first is that disinformation comes from the extremes of society, those who are most interested in creating or benefiting from chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is that disinformation's not new.
0: Nope, it's been around for a long, long time,
1: generations yeah. and generations. Uh, thirdly is that scholars don't fully understand all the impacts that this could have on individual, individuals or societies. We're still figuring that out. And f- lastly... It works.
0: Yeah. And yeah. it works because we have these human biases and heuristics that we are emotional, that there's this motivated reasoning aspect, that there is elements of availability bias, and right. that. That you know a lot of disinformation gets wrapped in with some truthful information, and so it's hard to discern, and actually, that disinformation can change our beliefs and our behavior, and so people are going to use it because for them, the ends justify the means. So, right? so what can we do?: All right. So it may sound bleak. But there is something that we can do, right? Uh, when you see a message that you're not sure is 100% accurate, use the ODA loop. Observe, orient, decide, act. So take in and observe the context in which you're seeing this information. Orient yourself with a review of the source in a critical way. Make sure that that source isn't coming from... Right. It's not being re, you know cited by a number of things, and it's all from one really suspect source, right? Right. Um, and then make a decision by asking, "Is this from someone I might not trust? Uh, would I still believe it? right? So if this was uh, said from maybe somebody I didn't necessarily have as much trust in, would I still believe this? Yeah. am I just being influenced by the fact that it is said by somebody that I believe and trust in? And finally, take action um, by deleting the content created or the disinformation. Another piece we had talked with John Fuez, who uh, on our other Uh, behavioral grooves. And he mentioned, look, if you see something kind of out of whack in your social media and it comes four or five times, that's where you start to get suspect, you know, because then it's being amplified by some reason. And it's probably something that's going on. Definitely.
1: Well, that wraps up this episode of Weekly Grooves. And since this is a relatively new podcast, we'd very much appreciate a quick rating or even better, a quick review. If you like our approach, please let us know. And if you think we can improve, let us know that. You can contact us directly on Twitter and I can be reached at T. Houlihan and Kurt can be reached at What
0: Motivates. And we'd love to hear from you. And if you're not already a subscriber, check out our long form interview podcast called Behavioral Grooves. That podcast has listeners in over 100 countries and focuses on how researchers and practitioners are applying behavioral science to their work in life to make a better world. We'll have links in the show notes. Thanks for listening.